0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Welcome to ES First. It's great to have you here. We've been waiting for you to come all week. And now you're here. So uh, here at Yes First, we preach through the Bible, um, not from beginning to end, but books of the Bible. We believe the Bible is effective and powerful. We believe that it's from God, it's for our lives today, and that it will speak to you today. Um, We're a Bible-believing church. Um, We're a Holy Spirit-believing church. And uh, we believe that God is still in the business of doing what he um, had his intentions to do way back then. He is still doing today. It's not an archaic Tale. It's not some kind of good news story from way back when that we can change our life today if we just follow these principles, even though that's true. We look God's interacting with us, speaking to us, living life with us. And the Bible says that if... We will live and move and have our whole entire being in Him that He can transform our lives. I believe that that's the power of the gospel, and for your life today. So uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor started preaching on James, and I've been I've kind of taken over for a little bit until I decide to go on vacation again, Um, you know. So I'll be back in January. I'm just playing. but uh, we've been talking about James. James is a, a really cool book um, because it's written by the, the brother of Jesus. And so if you ever wanted, to, uh, the num- in my opinion, the number one reason, and I've been to Israel, I've been to the empty tomb, I've been to the garden, I've been to all these, these holy places, I've been to Galilee, and Jesus' markings are all over it, um, and trust me, if the guy didn't exist... Um, you wouldn't have all of these historical things because, trust me, like nobody's falling around going, "This is where Mike Shepherd lived in Excelsior Springs." You know, everybody come here and worship. You know, like they wouldn't do that. It, it takes a little more than just being a great guy. It takes being the son of God for people to follow you for that long. And all of those places are incredible and they're wonderful. And I would love to take you if you would go with me sometime. Anyone want to go? Okay. So Now listen, I, wanna, I also want to give a disclaimer that at one point in the old city of Jerusalem, Norma, with her little short legs, uh, was getting a little weary and tired from walking all day. So me and Jeremy picked her up like she was a jolly good fellow and carried her up all the stairs. And she laughed the whole way. And there was this Jewish rabbi, uh, Orthodox Jew with the hat and the, the curly sideburns. And he looked at us and went, Mazel tof! And uh, we kept walking. But I think we have a picture of that somewhere. But of all the places that are holy and sacred and wonderful in, in Israel, one of the greatest testimonies to the fact that Jesus is for real the Son of God is that his own brother, his own brother would say Jesus really is the Messiah, keeping in mind that there are a couple different places in the New Testament where his mother and his brother's, went to go drag him back home from doing ministry because they thought he was out of his mind for saying that he was the son of God, right? Now, just think about this. You're growing up, and everywhere you go, um, your brother can do no wrong. Some of you guys have that brother. Ali's that fortunate. Um, but <laughs> imagine if at some point your brother says to you, why don't you just worship me? And uh, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you'll be able to join in heaven, right? You'd be like, ha 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 ha. Probably hit him in the face, uh, slap him in the face, whatever, and uh, let him know who indeed is boss. Uh, like, imagine at one point he walks to you goes, You know what? I'm the son of God. I'm perfect. I don't do anything except for what God tells me to do. Imagine this, okay? Hallelujah. Imagine this happening in your life. You would indeed be like, This guy is out of his mind. Okay, so, and you would know the truth. Even if everybody else worshiped him and, and he had everybody else fooled, he wouldn't have fooled you, right? Right, okay. Just want to make sure you're with me. So that's James, and here he is writing a whole entire letter about the effectiveness of his brother Jesus as the Son of God. To me, that's one of the greatest testimonies of the validity of Jesus is the people who know you the best, right? The person who slept just one bed over from you, the person who has seen your entire life, and without a doubt, here's James saying that he is the Actually, actually in the first verse, it says that he is the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, his brother. Think about that. Wow. And then he gives us some advice. He moves on and he says, Okay, the first thing I want you to know, the practical advice you need for your Christian life is to consider it pure joy when you face lots and lots of trials of many kinds. Now, That's the stupidest procedure for living life I've ever, ever heard of, right? And it's probably one of the things that a lot of atheists and people who don't believe find simply unbelievable. It's like, okay, anybody can live a good life if they just ignore their problems and consider them pure joy. And so A few weeks ago, I talked about that. You can find it on the podcast, but this this word consider actually doesn't mean that the troubles equate to joy. It doesn't mean that like, oh, I got a trouble. This is awesome. Hooray. It, It means that you actually take the trial, you take the trouble, the temptation, whatever it is, and you steer your thoughts, you steer your mind, you consider it pure joy. How can I do that? I can't just lie and say that, oh, this is this trouble. It's great. I love trouble. Hooray trouble. You can't just do that. You have to have something that causes you to see past the trouble and have the supply that you need to make it through the trial. And I believe that 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 power, that supply comes from Jesus, and so later on in Hebrews, he says, consider Jesus, who who struggled all through all these things, and shed his blood for all of humanity, hangs on the cross, Uh, the Bible says that he he stands there, and and God turns his back on Jesus, Jesus says, why have you forsaken me, and all of these, these crazy things, consider that part of Jesus, consider Jesus who is high, lifted up in heaven, living with his Father, and he says, I want to get rid of all of this. The Bible says, I'll throw it all off and I'll become like an ordinary human being. Not even just a human being, but a baby. In other words, the person who created all things with the power of his breath came down to be a helpless baby. He can't feed himself. He can't change himself. He cannot communicate. He can do nothing for himself, even though he created it with his words. And so when the Bible says, consider Jesus, he went through all of these things. We go back and we go, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And the step is that I have to look at Jesus not knowing that it's like, well, Jesus suffered, and so, you know, me too. I suffered too, Jesus. It's like, it's like you have to jump on some bandwagon. And, yeah, Jesus. So I didn't suffer as bad as Jesus, yet I didn't die on a cross, so I guess this is okay. No, it's actually this. Consider Jesus, who would do all of that to deliver to you the power that you need for this moment. Say amen to that. It is... So incredibly powerful for your life that James, Jesus' brother, starts out and goes, I'm a servant, and I want to tell you about my brother and the power that is alive in my life because of him. Consider it pure joy when you go through the worst of life. You should be happy about it. You should find inner delight because... You know that as you go through that, you are producing endurance and perseverance and strength. And he says, when you do that, you'll be mature. Not just grown up, not just that you can sit down and have a fancy conversation, not just that you, you know, are not doing childish things. Because I believe, I said before, and I'll say it again, I'll say it every work, week if I need to, high school never ends. People do not grow up. Right? Right? As a matter of fact, you can go to a retirement community. My aunt lives in a retirement community and that is just like high school. I go see her and she tells me about all of her neighbors and she tells me about all the drama and she tells me about all this stuff. And these are retired pastors, okay? So I'm just letting you know, there's lots of drama in the world, okay? So becoming more and more mature doesn't mean that I become less dramatic. It means that I reach maturation and it's like a loan where uh, it reaches the end. And what that means, when I hit maturation, it means that all of the debt has been paid. All of the deficiency is gone. There's nothing left empty. So he says, consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the working of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance do its work so that you can reach full maturation, lacking Nothing. Nothing. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to become that? Lacking nothing because I look at my life and it feels like there's nothing. And then he gives us this piece of information. He says, so if you're trying to figure out this joy, trials, maturation thing, he says, check this out. But if you lack wisdom, you can ask God and he'll give it to you. It's the beginning of this idea of supply. It's the beginning of this considering Jesus. It's that when I see these deficiencies, I don't go. You know what? I guess I'm not mature yet. You know what? I guess it just I just have these problems. I don't know. I need more patience. I don't know. I need more this. I need more that. I don't. We we start to like look at how much in debt we are and how much further we have to go. He says, "No, what you have to do is you have to go back and ask for wisdom." And he says, "When you ask for wisdom." God will give it to you without finding fault in you. Okay, so most of us don't ask for wisdom because we feel like God will hold out on us because he knows that we're imperfect. Anybody else or just me? Anybody else or just me? I'm gonna make sure I'm not alone up here. I got the microphone, I understand. I'm the guy up here with the hat on and you guys are out there and I probably have all these struggles and you guys are just wonderful. okay. But when you ask for wisdom, the first thing the enemy would like to do is, you don't deserve wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Help me out here. I need to know what to do. And the enemy goes, are you kidding me? He knows what you did with the wisdom last time. And then some blessed saint will go on, well, you know, he just wants to see what you'll do with it. So he knows if he can trust you with more wisdom or not. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you ask, he gives liberally. You know what that means, liberally? liberally. means freedom. It means wide open. It means a lot. It means overflowing. It means extra. He will give you more than enough wisdom, if you'll ask. He gives it liberally and without finding fault. Without finding fault. Now, you know, I would give you more wisdom, but last time I gave you wisdom, you didn't do anything with it. You just let it sit there. And I'm not going to let my wisdom just sit there while you run all over town, living your life and doing what you want to do. And then you come back and you ask me why it's all messed up. I'm going to tell you that I gave you wisdom and you need to do better with it. That's the way you paint God, like your mama. God's not your mama. So you're asking for wisdom. The truth is that God wants to be so good to you, including with wisdom, that he just wants you to ask, period. However, I believe, and Scripture backs up, and lots of theologians would agree with me, that it seems as though God limits himself. This gets a little weird. He limits himself to interacting in your life to wait for your command. It seems as though and, and some of you guys are like, I don't know about that, Brandon. God can do whatever he wants. Oh, yeah? Seems that way. Except for half the people that feel that way and that's coming up in their mind, all quoted this year, probably posted on Facebook, and think about it all the time. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Think about it. God is waiting for you to invite him into his life. Don't believe me? Remember when you were a sinner? God didn't save you. You invited him and became a follower. He will not, for some reason, and he can intervene at any time, right? He can do all these magnificent and glorious things, but for some reason he pulls himself back and waits for the invitation. And he says, if you lack wisdom... Go ahead and. When's the last time you asked for wisdom? For real. I mean, don't be like, oh, I just I ask for wisdom every day. Mm-hmm. You do not ask for the wisdom you need. How do I know? Because you'd be more victorious. Yeah, I saw your Facebook post. Yeah, I see see your face when I see you. Yeah, you got them struggles. Yeah, you're carrying a heavy burden. When's the last time you asked for wisdom? Because Jesus says, if you ask me, I'll give it liberally without judgment. In other words, you know what that says to me? You can be the worst sinner on the planet and ask Jesus for wisdom, and he'll give it. What? 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 That means the people you're judging, all they have to do, they're one request away from elevating their life over yours. Think about that. Yeah, you know, they just make terrible decisions. Yeah, I don't know if they're ever going to serve the Lord. They're one request away from having the wisdom from heaven. And here's the thing. You have it too, but you won't ask. So he says, ask for wisdom, and you will get it liberally without judgment. But, and this is my sermon today. Say, preach, Brandon. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best, Okay. I don't have B-shock here to really back me up the way I like to preach, but we're going to do something, okay? Let's see what happens. Stay on them. It says, you should ask for wisdom. It'll give it liberally without judgment. But, but, and here's the big but. Everybody say it. I like big buts. Here we are. But, but, when you ask, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. I I don't like this verse. I don't like this verse. Here's why. The rest I can do, right? Consider pure joy, I can be happy, I can do all this stuff, and yada, yada, yada. But now what happens is, is I have this exchange that over here, if I don't see results, I go back over here. You must believe, not doubt, it says, for he who doubts. It's like the shifting waves. Let not that man believe that he should receive anything from the Lord. Okay, so I'm like, I didn't receive God. This equation says, believe, receive. A matter of fact, if you don't believe, you're full of doubt, then over here, what happens is you got nothing. Just, I'm going to let you go ahead and just, just soak on that for a minute, that you're not going to receive anything. Now, here's the problem. As I said before, it's tough for me because there's lots of things that I, I don't receive yet, Right? I know you're all thinking, Brandon, I see you standing there with that L.A. jacket. You get everything you want. I see your pictures on Instagram. You get everything you want. Okay. Maybe. God's good to me, don't get me wrong. But I got a lot of over here that I didn't receive. So then naturally, as a human being, I go, well, God, what's the issue? And I go back to this verse, and he's like, believe and don't doubt. Growing up, I had issues with this because I believed this because I wanted to believe the Bible. And I talked to my dad, I said, Dad, if, if this is true, and healing and provision and your life and all these things are wrapped up in believing and not doubting. Knowing that my dad, when he was just a young man, his wife died of a virus that 13 people contracted that year and died In the United States. So then I have to go, well, does that mean that my dad doubted? Because I guarantee you he believed, and I guarantee you he preached, and I guarantee you he believed what the Word of God said, but then we have this traumatic failure, right? Let not that man think he should receive anything from God. And then so we, we toss this around enough with our situations. Well, what about my dad? What about this? What about my divorce? What about my kids? What about this? What about, and we just go back and forth and back and forth. And we go, I don't know. And then if I, in order to believe in a good God, then I just got to put that away and go, you know what? That's trash. Can't believe that. Because I see all this trouble in my world and I cannot keep blaming myself for doubting because obviously if I have all of these failures, it's my fault because I was supposed to believe and not doubt, and I've not received anything. Comes a little tough, doesn't it? Anybody else there with me? Right. And you're like, man, I wish I could just go to those churches where they dance and shout and they just quote the scripture. Woo! Everything's going to turn around. Ha! Woo! Everything's going to turn around. Hey! Woo! Ha! Woo! And everybody drinks the Kool-Aid and you're like, yeah, but what about, about this? What about that? And then even those questions start to feel like Why did she get healed and I didn't get healed? Why did their marriage work out and mine didn't work out? Why do I have this disease and this pain and she gets to run around the church out of her wheelchair? Bible says, train up a child, the way they should go, they're old, they won't de- depart from it. And then my kids are just... But Amanda's got Caleb, and he's just a specimen of a man. I know that's right. Hallelujah. Thank God for Caleb. It's tough. Am I right? It feels like that in order to like act like that, believe and don't doubt, that I have to become a liar. You know what I mean? You ever lied? You know, like belief. Hey, what's happening with that situation? Well, you know, it's going great. I just think it's all the way done in the name of Jesus. I just, you know, called done. Hey, what's happening with your daughter? I hear she can't talk. Nope, she can talk. Hey, what's going on with your... I know I hear, n- nope, it's not true. Sometimes being full of faith feels like a, a lie. So James says, God'll give wisdom liberally, without judgment, but You've got to believe and not doubt. So then the struggle becomes performance. If I don't doubt, 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 if I don't doubt. doubt. And I think back to that kid in high school that said all the stupid stuff like, we're gonna win this game, we're gonna win this game, we're gonna win this game. And I'm like, we are 14 white boys from Excelsior Springs, not that well coached, I might add. We are going to Grandview. These guys are all 6'8 NBA prospects. There's only six guys on their team. They don't have a bench. They have one man who subs in. They're gonna dunk and throw alley-oops on us the rest of the day. You can say we're gonna win till you're blue in the face, but we're not. I'm just a realist. It feels like that. Believe in your heart. Well, you got to believe, man. You got to get pumped up. As Michael Jordan does. No, Michael Jordan is good. You're not. Believe and don't doubt, man. Believe and don't doubt. You gotta believe and don't doubt. And I would go to churches and I've been around Holy Ghost people on my whole entire life, and I and I heard people talk like this, and it's like it's like they know all the right lines, but they don't know all the right ingredients. And they want you to buy into the lines, but they don't know what to give you to put into the bowl. Because, see, people of faith know how to mix it up. Because there's certain ingredients that certain people know how to put into the bowl. Your grandma's one of them, you know what I mean? Like she would put her foot in it and for some reason when mama got the recipe, it just wasn't the same. Right? Some people have all the right, you know, recipes. They got the book and they got the bowl. They got the spoon. But they don't know what to put in it. The right time, the right temp. Things need to be room temperature. Certain things need to be wait long enough. They need to marinate, right? And so many times we judge our end result. Based on this, did I believe and not doubt? Did I believe and not doubt? Well, I should have been more fanatical. I should have been like the guy on the TV. I should have, I should have woo! And, then, and I could always tell when people were trying to like hype themselves up because they start coming around like, you know, I just believe, man. God. It's like, trust me, man, you're going to need more than that. You're going to need the right ingredients. If you don't have the right ingredients, you're going to mess it all up. And this is what James says at the top. He says, consider it pure joy. It doesn't equate. You can't take a bad time and go, you know what? This is just fantastic. No, you have to go back to the source that is Jesus. And because of Jesus, it can be pure joy. And you can lack nothing. And when you get wisdom, the problem half the time is that we want wisdom. We want a nice little nugget. What we actually want is a a spiritual drug to numb our pain so we don't really have to do the work of belief and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We just want something to feel nice to get us through the next three hours until we can get to Starbucks for our afternoon coffee. The problem is that will not sustain you. You have to have the right ingredients. Hmm. I can consider it pure joy. How can you do that, Brandon? I have the right ingredients. You asked for wisdom, Brandon. Yeah, I believe I have it. Do I mess up? Oh, well, you know, maybe like once or twice a year. All the rest of the time, I have the perfect wisdom. Kim's calling me out. He's got a smile on his face, like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> no. I bet I know it's available. Do you? Do you? So God gives it in abundance, and I'll take the ingredients and I'll put it in the bowl. And he says, "What you need to do is you got to believe and not doubt." Okay, believe and not doubt. Believe and not doubt. That's where I get hung up because it feels like a lie. I can consider pure joy. I understand, and, you know, people are like, well, you're rich because of your family. Yeah, but I'm $500 in the hole. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you're just so blessed because of your kids. Yeah, but I just had to scrape, scrape poop off the wall. I mean, you don't have to do that, and it's a different kind of blessing, you know what I mean? Like, you can just go down the line and chalk up. People want to go, oh, yeah, you're blessed. Yeah, like, no, 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 I consider it pure joy because I got the right ingredients. Now, when it comes to, to belief and not doubt, The issue is, you think it's an outside, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But what you're missing is the ingredients. And I believe the ingredients that you're missing are intimacy with the Most High. You're missing intimacy with the Creator of all things. Because the Bible says He reveals Himself. The more I know, the more I can trust him in his goodness. And I don't have to walk around and be like, well, I believe. I don't have to twist God's arm with the right words. All I have to do is is believe, and belief comes from intimacy. It comes from knowing I can trust the one who holds my heart. This is what 1 John chapter 5 says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Confidence. That sounds like belief, right? Confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears this. Now, here's the problem. All these doubters out here, I'll call them haters, naysayers. Naysayers going to naysay. You know what I mean? I know you do. Right. My life's full of them. They don't go to this church, just letting you know. Well, maybe you do, I don't know. Naysayers gonna naysay. They'll be like, well, that's the problem. It's not all that stuff, It's that you didn't know the will of God. Trust me, there's more stuff in here about the will of God that is so gonna freak you out that you won't have to ever call that again. I mean, like, there was a dead man, everybody was crying. And he said, what are we going to do? This guy, he takes this guy who's dead, throws him on the bones of Elisha the prophet. And the guy's like, whoa, <laughs> hey, I'm alive. From laying on bones. So most of the naysayers are like, well, you need to know the will of God. I don't think that they were like, you know what? I read somewhere in Exodus 3... that you could throw a dead man on someone's bones and he would come back to life. I think there's a rule book for that. I think it's actually God's will is life all the time. His will is life and life more abundantly. And when we begin to know him in an intimate way, we realize that he always wants you to come alive, come alive. And you're saying stuff like, God, take away this depression. God, take away this depression. Take away this sadness. Take away this grief. Take away this mourning. And he's like, no, I got life for you. I got life for you. And then we pray things. You can pray things according to his will, and he hears us. What's God's will for your life? It is life. Ha. <sighs> That's refreshing. Doesn't sound plausible. <laughs> you know, you're rich because of your family. <laughs> well, at least you're not as bad as some people. We just keep down, down, down. When God wants you to live a God kind of life. And so he says, check this out. If you believe in me and you approach God, this is the confidence You have an approaching God that if you ask according to his will, what's his will? He has given you all things pertaining to life and godliness, that he is good. That's just a basic one. God is good. Uh, You can say it to you blue in the face, but if you don't have the right ingredients, it's not going to show up in your life. You can try to convince everybody, well, you know, God's good. And deep in your heart, you're like, I'm not sure if he's good or not, but I hope so. (laughs) When you ask things according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we have asked of him. This is the, this is the one verse that I like to pull out when people don't believe stuff. Because I'm just like, do something with that then. Do something with that. And then it takes us back to James. We go, believe and not doubt. and of us have to doubted too much because I don't see it over here. Ah, 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 stuck in the matrix and can't decide what to, you know. That's what John said who was close to Jesus. John was known as the beloved, the one whom Jesus loved. This is John. This is the one that Jesus said to To John, said, hey, take care of my mom when I'm gone. Intimacy. He knows Jesus. Let's check out what uh, Matthew tells us about Jesus. This is what Jesus says in Matthew. Jesus replied, surely I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt. Sound familiar? Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. That sounds fun. And it will be done. It will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's not some guy with a big ring and a bright suit in a televangelist show talking about, send me your money. That's just Jesus. I mean, I I can understand how you might be a little bit untrusting of a guy on TV or a preacher with a microphone and a hat and a coat, I can understand how you might have your doubts. I'm understanding how you might kind of do the math and try to figure out all the logic, but it's just Jesus. So the answer is, do I believe Jesus or don't I believe Jesus? Well, do you? Punk? Do you believe him? Do you believe Jesus? I see a lot of people kind of like halfway nodding their head, but I never heard somebody say, yeah, I believe in everything. Oh, thank you, sir. All right, that's my man right there. I'm going to take you to dinner later. Yes, Lord. If you believe, you will see whatever you ask for in prayer. Is what Jesus said. I think he's good for it. John says, you can pray according to his will, and it will be done. What's his will? And so people have come up with this, like, concoction, this formula. It's just like saying, everything's great, everything's great, when it's not. You know, it's like, it's just outside stuff. And they have the concoction, like, what's well, going to pray? Lord, if you could just send me a Lamborghini and a million dollars and an RV in and, and Malibu, and I'll homeschool the kids out there, wouldn't that be great? And that's my prayer, Jesus, if it be thy will. Got me off the hook there. (laughs) Not to believe about anything. Just say, if it be your will, God, you believe. (laughs) How about that? But belief is not just tagging and if you will. It's not just going, yeah, I prayed according to your will. Blah, 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 blah. Because you can't do it from the outside. You've got to do it from the inside. You want me to tell you what Jesus also said? Check out John 15. This is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you you don't have to just tag on if it be your will. You don't have to get your Holy Ghost no doubt a meter down and your Holy Ghost faith a meter up. Woohoo! I'm so, God's gonna do it. God's gonna do it. And we can just, you know, have enough caffeine and get all juiced up and get more people. Come on over here. You're gonna believe with me. Come on, let's believe. Is it gonna be so great? Woohoo! I don't doubt until you get home. Until you look at your Life And you go, I don't really see all that. But you know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to consider it pure joy. <laughs> i this great. Nothing is going to plan. What? It's, it's, it's confusing. It's complex. So what is James trying to say? He's trying to say what Jesus said. If you remain in me. Another version says, if you abide in me, abide is a level of living that requires your life. Do you live? Do you you make your life in Jesus, in his words, and they can live in you? When I consider it pure joy, when life puts the squeeze on me, Jesus comes out. When I ask for wisdom, if I'm a person who begins to ask for wisdom, knowing that God gives it to me, even though the toughest times apply, even though I'm facing things where all I want to do is doubt, what happens is, is the squeeze is put on me, and all that comes out is, I think I heard from God that he is good. I think I heard from God that he knows the beginning from the end. I think I heard from God that he's the healer. I think I heard from God that he desires the best for my life. I think I heard from God that He said he's going to make me a thousand times greater than I am, just as he has promised. I think I've heard that I should consider Jesus who left the throne of heaven so that I could participate in a life that is so incredibly supernatural. I don't get it, I think. And so the squeeze begins to put stuff out, and I don't have to come over here and work up my energy. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. So... Every doubt is not on a come-and-go basis. Well, I, I, maybe I believe, maybe I don't. It's considering, considering the one who gives the wisdom. It's considering the one who has the supply. And the only way I can know the truth about how I should live my life and what's available to me and how my life is going to turn out, even though I don't know how it could ever turn out well, is wrapped up in do I know Jesus. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. Why? Because it's to the Father's glory. you're just being selfish, Brandon. No, it's to the Father's glory. Why? Because every time I ask for something, you guys get to see it. <laughs> you know, how the people are like, you go to that crazy church with that pastor? I heard some things about him. Yeah, I bet you do. I become a person who can stand in front of you for God's glory. Because even in the crushing, even in the crushing, and trust me, I wish I had it all figured out. I wish I could be like, hey, just want to let you know that
1: all these things are exactly
0: turning out as planned. It's wonderful. I wish I could do that. Actually, I don't. Because I like it. When your struggle struggling. Your failures. You're falling flat on your face. And other churches would just tell you, well, you know, give thanks because of your family. Trust me, Reagan's awesome. I love her very much. Don't I, Reagan? Don't I love you very much? Stand up and wave everybody. I'm just playing. <laughs> She's God's gift to me. But trust me, I'm God's gift to her. And God, is going to bless me so I can be a blessing to her and her children for generations and generations and generations. If, all, if you're just settled because you're blessed because of your family, then freaking go to the lake every weekend. Stop serving God. You know, I know lots of sinners and heathens that just live their life like the devil. You know what they're doing? Being blessed by their family. That's not enough for me. I need to be blessed by God. I need to be blessed for my God. Be, why? It's to my Father's glory. He says, I want you to bear much fruit. Give me that one back. Sorry, uh Jaden. I know I acted like I wanted to be done with that. That you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And for years, we we have thought about disciples as being someone who has followed after this guy's teaching. But the more I read the Gospels, the more I find out the disciples were more than 12. There's more disciples than 12. Did you know that? A little trivia for you, just in case there's a TV given away and they pull a ticket. How many disciples were there? Like, there's more than we know. There are people who actually were willing to spend their lives with Jesus. That's it. Spend my life with Jesus, and I, you know, disciples had a lot of doubts. James had a lot of doubts. Here's right: if if you doubt, you're not going to receive anything. I'm talking about the biggest doubter. I mean, we talk about Thomas, but I mean Jesus's brother. Come back here, Jesus! You're out of your mind. That's one of the stories. Jesus was doing miracles, and they went to go find him and pull him back. "Ah, ah, 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 Sorry, my brother's crazy. My brother's crazy. (laughs) That's doubt. James says, don't doubt. How do you go from doubt to believe? How do you fake it? How do you put a smile on hiding all the superstitions and all the stuff in your head and all the fears and all the trauma and everything that just is, is, is throbbing inside your chest and you're trying to hide it and you have another coffee and you and you go to another game and you have another girls night out and you go throw some more bags with the fellas and you're doing everything you can to just be like I feel really good about this I don't think I doubt it all no you just lowered your level of living God is calling you higher And where is his place that is higher? It's intimacy. It's knowing him in such a way, like a disciple would, sitting around the bonfire at night going, I wonder, and Jesus says, yeah, could you, Mm mm-hmm. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what I have in store for those who love me. And the kids come running up and they're like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everybody's like, get out of here. We don't need that doubt. (laughs) Jesus says, come in here. Don't push the kids away. You need to believe like one of these. If you can't even begin to trust me like one of these children, the true disciples, then you will never see the kingdom of heaven alive in your life. My aim in this life, right here and now, is to see the kingdom of heaven come alive in me. And that comes from intimacy. I consider Jesus. And so every doubt that comes up, I go, wait, wait, wait. Is this the truth that I need to lie about? Or is it the lie that I need to find the truth about? That's deeper than you think. Is this circumstance the truth that I have to lie about? Or is this circumstance standing in the face of my God, telling lies to me day and night, over and over and over again, and I need to go back and become intimate with the truth and the giver of life and all things. It is His will for me. Yeah, say amen to that. One verse just came to me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It says they have traded the truth for a lie. And to me, Sadly enough, that has become Christianity at its finest. Come to our church. We'll tell you about Jesus. And you can go back out and live a defeated life while you exchange the truth of who God really could be for your life for the lie of the mundane circumstances that you face every single day. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we need you. I mean, it feels like shifting sand all the time. It feels like I'm losing, like I get ahead and then I lose, I get ahead and then I lose. It feels like forward and then back. It feels like, and I know it's it's just life and I know that's the way it goes and I know that there's ups and downs, but there's got to be something more because you promised newness of life, you promised fullness, you promised life overflowing, you promised that 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 is the way that you are. Forgive me, forgive us for not sitting at the fire with you longer in hearing your heart, knowing your will, believing in who you are, knowing you intimately be. Because, Lord, that intimacy is, is what we've been missing. It's, it's not just some hype show. It's not just jumping around. It's not just spinning in circles. It is knowing that you are exactly who you say you are the giver of life, the healer, the restorer of broken things, the anointed one, the one that brings freedom from pain, the one that takes away anxiety and squashes it, never to return, the peace in the middle of the storm, the ointment, the balm of Gilead that heals the wounds that you're the truth, that you are wisdom, that you are the answer that we've been looking for, God. Intimacy with God. Please take a minute, open your hands to God in whatever way you can to say, God, I want to know you in a greater way. Yeah, that's it. God, fill my life in a greater way. Give me a new sight. Give me a new heart. Give me a new Samuel ears to hear your voice. Lord, wake me up in the middle of the night hearing your voice instead of the voice of the accuser. there is peace. He's giving peace right now. If you're in here and you've this week, has just been a torment of chaos. He's bringing peace to your life right now. The Bible says peace like a river. And I don't want, want you to just see this vision from God of the mighty Mississippi. It looks calm, but if you jump in it, it'll take you. I just want you to just jump in the peace of God. It looks like a calm place to be, but it is moving to an end that God has for you. The peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Peace like a river. Peace like a river. Peace like a river. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel like somebody has pain in their feet. In their feet, if that's you, just raise your hand where you are real quick. Pain in your feet or a foot. Awesome. It's like painful to walk. I don't mean just like, I mean pain. Thank you. Awesome. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Ligaments, bones, nerves, be healed in the name of Jesus. Restoration and no more pain. They would walk with new steps of joy. They go ankles put back together where they were swollen and 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 messed up, that they're they're new life flowing with the peace of God in them. Funny enough, man, I didn't even think about this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Bible says that one of the the Bible says that. Put on the whole armor of God. It says, let your feet be shod with the gospel of peace. And as God has given you peace like a river, he's restoring your feet to walk places he's called you to walk. My God, He peace. give us a love for your word a hunger for your word that nothing else will satisfy we filled up our lives with so much stuff these last months just trying to figure out how to exist and I pray that they'd be wiped clean and the word of God would just begin to wash wash us new in Jesus name Father we thank you for your power we thank you for your grace in our life ghost. Thanks for showing us Jesus in a greater way. You're so kind to us. Thank you, Father, for your supply. Thank you for the promise that you say you want us to have life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise where you are.